Here's what I want to say to set the text up for us. The gospel, that is the good news of Jesus Christ, changes lives forever. There is nothing else you can say that about. I want you to hear that. There's nothing else you can say like that. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Christ, changes lives forever. If you are in Christ, your life has been changed forever. And the message of that good news God has entrusted to us and given us the privilege to make it known in our families, on our streets, in our places of work, in school, in recreation, all with the privilege of saying that Jesus is the rescuer. He is the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. The gospel changes lives forever. And I need the gospel. I need the gospel every day. It doesn't mean I'm becoming a Christian every day. We believe the word of God teaches once saved, always saved. But I need the good news of Jesus Christ every day. I need God's grace and his mercy to help me believe every day that he is worth all. I need the gospel every day to be reminded that Christ is all. I need the gospel every day to remember that I have one primary identity. I'm the beloved son of the victorious Jesus, the living God. I need the gospel every day to remember that I not only have one primary identity, I have one permanent identity. In heaven, I will be not called a pastor. I will not be a father. I will be who I am already, but for forever, the beloved son of the living God. And I need the gospel because every day as I run that race, there's one running after me. And the one running after me has one goal, and that is to devour me, to cause me not to believe the truth about my primary identity and my permanent identity. He's wily and he's evil, and he seeks nothing but to destroy me. And he uses many different things, which we're going to see in the text today. And so I need the gospel, and so do you. You need the gospel today just as much as you did on the day when the Lord was received into your heart by his grace. And that's what we're going to look at today from this incredible letter called Hebrews. Three verses in chapter 12 take place following this great hall of faith. This great chapter on the faith of the cloud of witnesses. This pastor writing to this small house church is now seeking to encourage them as they run this race. And everything that they need to know how to run is given to them in these three verses. And everything that they needed to know how to run 2,000 plus years later is given to us. The truth has not changed. The power of the gospel has not changed. The power of Christ, who is all, has not changed. And so we come to this text, not simply to become smarter Christians, but to be reminded of who we already are and who we are becoming. And I promise, if God has given you ears to hear and eyes to see, Today, you will be made different. 
because you need the gospel. And so do I. Just as much today as I did June 23rd, 1982. Please stand for the reading of God's word. Three verses from Hebrews chapter 12, 1 through verse 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility as against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Father, we have received from you everything we need, including your word. And the Holy Spirit, present with us now, illuminating our hearts and minds to believe the truth of this scripture. Oh, Holy Spirit, would you strip away everything that's weighing us down? Would you reveal to us in this short time together the sin that is so close to us, so clinging to us? And would you enable us by your power to lay it aside, to cast it off? And would you fix our eyes on Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith right now, That we might see anew your love, that deep, deep love. Your gospel, that good news that you have done everything necessary to save sinners for all eternity. God, restore to us today the joy of our salvation. Surprise us in this time together with truth that we have forgotten or have neglected or have never trusted. Change us. For your glory's sake, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What I want to do this morning is, is first of all, talk about the Christian life as a race. And then I want to talk about we as a body corporately and how we are running together as it relates to this season in the life of our church. That will not be a long extended announcement. It's a long extended application of what it means to be a Christian. First, I want to say this. The Christian life is a race. The imagery is not an illustration. This is not an allegory. This is not a metaphor. The Christian life is a race. The pastor preaching this letter to this little church says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So stop thinking of the Christian life from a metaphor perspective of a race. No, it's a real race. It is a race that he has started for you. And the moment you set foot on the narrow road, the moment the gun went off, the moment you began to race, it wasn't a metaphor. It is your life. And for all eternity, you're going to be running this race now in the struggle against all that weighs us down and the sin that clings so close to it. One day, For all eternity in his presence, that part will be no more. The Christian life is a race. Now, each of us has a race individually. And that race is not necessarily the same. 
the course that God has you on, the winding, bending, turning, the hills, some steeper than others, the headwind, it's different. Each of us, as we seek to follow Christ, has a race that has been set before us. And what Jonathan Harper's race looks like is going to be different than Paul Flowers. And what my race is going to look like is different than Nancy Berger's. What my life in Christ looks like has so many similarities with all who are in Christ. But the race that we're on, an individual race, has been set before you. And if you are in Christ, truly saved by Christ, then you've started that race. And that race has set you on the narrow road. We have so many races being raced within this large church, just as all who are in Christ have their own races. But it's not primarily to be seen as individual. The corporate theme, the universal church theme of all of God's people on that narrow road racing is so incredible. And while we each have our own individual race to run, we have so many things in common about the races. And I'm going to give you three or four before we move into application. The first thing we, we need to say is that you, if you're on the narrow road, have been invited to run. Don't miss that. You did not choose to run on the narrow road. You did not choose to run this race. You did not look at things and weigh them. Do I like the wide road better or the narrow road better? I think I'll pick this one or that one. You would never do that. Brother, sister, you would never choose the narrow road. But at God's invitation and the powerful reality of irresistible grace, he set you at the starter's block. He set you on the narrow road and he gave you ears to hear when the gun went off and you began to run. So no matter how hard your race, no matter how crooked and turning and twisting, no matter how difficult the wind that is blowing into your face is, rejoice that you're on the narrow road. Rejoice that you've been invited to this race. Rejoice that once you're on that road, you'll always be on that road. You are his. And that's really important to remember. Because the race, point number two, is very hard. Jesus says it will be. Jesus models that it is. The race is hard. The author of the book of Hebrews says, Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. For the last eight years, in the spring, really starting in late January, my wife and I found ourselves at high school track meets. Whew. What a beating. So beautiful. So fun. But so long. The Davises are fast. I married a fast woman. That didn't sound right. I, I, I married a woman who runs really fast. Christina. But I caught her. 
And because of that gene pool, my children are fast, but they're not long distance runners. We're sprinters. We really are. I'm a sprinter in every way. Can't do it anymore. Don't ask me to. Wouldn't be good for you or me. But it's been fun watching my children race. The problem is, because they're sprinters, they were in all three of the sprint relays. The 4x100 starts the meet. The 4x400 ends the meet. The 4x200's in the middle of the meet. What that meant is we are there for all of it. Running is hard. And you can tell by looking at the pictures taken of the faces of those running. They're not running and smiling. Their faces are contorted. Their muscles are in spasm. The pictures are spectacular for what they are, that individuals are giving everything they have to make it to the finish line. The pictures reveal the truth, that the running is hard, and it hurts, and it's painful. This race that we are in, that you are in as Christians, is not an easy race. And our faces show it. And our bodies show it. The race is hard because of the weight that we carry and the sin that clings so closely to us. I'll say more about that in a moment. But it's a hard, hard race. And when it's hard, that's when you need to celebrate. But at least I'm running. At least I'm on the narrow road. At least I receive the invitation in Christ to run. Third, we're invited to run. The race is hard. We are not ever running alone. First, there is a cloud of witnesses. Not all of them are listed in Hebrews 11. Many have gone on to be with Christ since this canon was closed, since this chapter was closed. But there is a cloud of witnesses who have gone before us, Hebrews 11 recording many of them, but even saints in our own history that have gone before us, who were faithful to the end and trusting in God's faithfulness for them. You're never running alone. No matter how unique your individual race looks, no matter how difficult this season of the race might be, no matter how lost you might feel and wondering where the race is actually going, you're never running alone. You have the cloud of witnesses. We have one another. But above all, you have the Holy Spirit, the one who invited you and enabled you to run, invited you and enabled you to believe the truth about Jesus. And he's living inside you. Fourth, we're invited to run. The race is hard. We're not running alone. He tells us how to run. And the first thing the author says in verse 1 is, Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely to us. As he tells us how to run, the first thing he says is, You need to lighten up. You need to get rid of the weight that is covering you and weighing you down. What he's referring to here is the reality of living in a broken world 
the reality of this race being difficult. That because we live in a sin-filled world, we battle diseases. The latest being the coronavirus. But we battle so many more than that, don't we? The news of cancer, of depression, of all sorts of ailments, not to mention just aging. And it's a hard race. The things that weigh us down are great. But we were never meant to carry burdens that only Christ can carry. And so he calls us to cast these burdens on him. These weights on him because he cares for us. Maybe reverse that language. Because he cares for you, cast all your anxiety on him. Because he cares for you, cast all your anxiety on him. Not just some of it, but every weight. Moving from weight, he then speaks to the specific sins which cling so closely to us. Dear friend, the reason we confess our sin corporately each week is because we, the side of heaven, still sin. And there is sin that is clinging deeply to you. Sin that has entrapped you. Because as you run this race, there's one running after you. And the, run, the one running after you wants nothing more than to devour you. So he has chased after you, put things before you, thrown things at you, spoken things into your mind that you might not believe the truth about Christ. And those sins, they cling close. What's clinging so closely to you this morning that's causing the running to be hard? Is it lust, fear, cynicism, a critical spirit, a lack of faith, doubt, greed, pride, seeking the praise of man, self-righteousness, shame. That's my list. What's yours? It really is my list. And I could go on. And that's why I need the gospel. Right now, if you heard that list and you said, you're right, I see that in people all over this place. <laughs> you need the gospel. You need the gospel because there's sin that's clinging so closely to you. And what he's calling us to do is to cast it onto him, to lay it aside to run in the freedom we have in Christ. He tells us to run by telling us to lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely. And then he says this, the second part of how to run. Let us look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3 says, consider him. That's, that's a deeper look at him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. What he's telling them is, as you run, you have one place to fix your eyes. 
And that is on Jesus. To fix your eyes on the one who started this whole thing for you. The one who has not only started it in your life, founding it, but also has run his race as the trailblazer. He, our God, has gone before us. And he is the one whom we are to fix our eyes on, not just once, but always. That is why we need the gospel. We look to Jesus because he is the founder of our faith. We look to Jesus because he is the perfecter of our faith. If you are on the narrow road, if you have started that race, the race that he has set before you, it's because he founded it. He's founded you. And now the one who founded that in your life is perfecting you, making you more and more and more like himself. And so as he runs, as we run, as all of us run on the narrow road, he says, look to Jesus, the author, the perfecter, the founder, the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. So what does this mean for us? Everyone in this sanctuary this morning who is in Christ has a race to run. And that race has been set before you. It's not the exact same course as one another. But there is a lot that we have in common. First, if we're on the narrow road, we've been invited. Secondly, we have a race that is very hard. Third, we are never running alone. And fourth, he is telling us how to run. The re-enter weekends that we want you to come to are not an idea born of the flesh. It's not an idea where a few got together and said, let's create some weekends that will make people busier. Sometimes you might think that. But we as a church... One small expression of the living God's church are running this race. It's individual and it's corporate. And as we seek to run this race, we have an enemy who's chasing after us. And the enemy wants us to compromise the word of God. The enemy wants us to live in fear of everything. The enemy wants us to add to scripture or delete from scripture. The enemy's real He's roaming and he seeks to devour. In the 29 years of this church's existence, we are at a moment that is unlike any other time. Both in the history of our church and life together, but also in this season of history in the world. We are inviting you to come to a weekend that was born out of over 20 people praying over a period of almost two months. This was a group of women and men. I want to name some of them. Abigail Foos, Jenny Darley, Elizabeth Robinson, Carrie Stainbeck, Ashley Flowers, Pete Flowers, Cassie Rawson, Dennis Rosine, Mike McMahon, Tom Newhoff, Peter Tippin, Scott Rorman, Jeff Barber, Kyle Manley, Chris Bonfield, Michael Denton, David Newman, Rick Bush, Paul Goebel, myself. And I probably have left someone out, and I'm so sorry if I did. But we met for one purpose, and that was to seek the Lord's face for what is next for us. And near the end of our gathering, when the Lord gave us this idea for these re-enter weekends, 
It was centered on the idea that the greatest resource this church has is the body. It is the men and women and children of this church who are on that race on the narrow road, who are lights in a dark world, who seek to continue to live for Christ. And so we felt deeply and sensed deeply in our soul that this was a powerful moment of the Holy Spirit bringing a gospel awakening into our hearts. In that room, there was incredible celebration because we believed that we had received something from the Lord that was for us and for us. And so we took those thoughts received from the Lord to our elders and to our deacons. We shared that vision, and with celebration, we moved forward with this idea, calling on each member of our church to attend one of these three weekends. We know that you may already have scheduled conflicts. We will tend to that reality for you, I promise. But if there is no scheduled conflict, pray and ask God which one does he want you to attend. It's about seven total hours. But we believe in those seven total hours that a few things are going to happen. Number one, you are going to be reminded with passion and beauty that you need the gospel and that the gospel changes lives forever. Secondly, you will hear over and over again that the world is changing. And so is our church. Our church is not going to change in the form of compromise. Our church is not going to change in the form of watering down the gospel, which is a temptation that many churches are truly facing. And by God's grace, we have received from our leadership the truth that all of this is God's word. But our church is changing. It's changing in the dependency that we want to have before the Lord. To pray for God to do what only God can do. And on these weekends, you're going to hear how we believe specifically the Lord is calling us to change in order to connect more deeply to Christ and one another. How we seek his face to grow and mature in our faith and how by his grace and for his glory, we're going to take this message to the world, going out in our city and bringing people in, receiving them in the name of Christ and connecting them to one another and then sending them to do the same thing. In order for this to happen, the church, all of us, the members, need to know the vision, pray for the vision, embrace the vision, and then in God's grace, obey him for the privilege of extending his kingdom. These weekends are unlike anything that we've ever done since I've been here. 17 years. These weekends are not just your typical come and have a fun time of fellowship. They're going to be a powerful and rich body-wide impact for the sake of all that you've heard me preach today. That's why you need to be there. 
Not only do I want you to come, I'm asking you to start praying now for these weekends that we as his people really would hear his voice. That we as his people on individual races set before us that have an impact body-wide, corporately, would hear his voice and would be delighted to know that we're on the narrow road. And in a world of ever-increasing darkness, we as a church are seeking his face to be brighter and brighter lights. And guess what? He who has invited us to run, who has founded our faith, who has founded this church, is perfecting us. And he is going to give us everything we need to run that race. The race is going to be hard, but we're not going to be running alone. And he's going to continue to teach us how to run by laying aside weights and sins and by looking to him. Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Father in heaven, the privilege of standing in this pulpit, going back in history, looking at how the people were fed and feeding this, on the same truth is really miraculous. God Almighty, by your grace, you have set us on the narrow road. And we thank you for that. And by your grace, Holy Spirit, you're living in us and you are using us and you will use us for your glory. Oh God, open our eyes, open our ears. Let us lay aside everything that needs to be laid aside, even now. Friend, cast your burdens and your sins on him, even now. Lord, receive all that we throw on you and enable us to receive this day the blessing of your profound promises and steadfast love. We pray in Jesus' holy name, amen.